morning, church. And it is a good day today. I used to think I wasn't high maintenance until I saw all I needed this morning to set up. So maybe, maybe I'm a little bit more than anticipated. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Um, I have already been warned when the church smells like brisket, the word needs to be clear and concise. Man, I'm so, so glad that you're here today. It's going to be a fantastic day as we walk into worship together. Uh, last week, we started talking about Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, coming off of Exodus and our series on the family. We're going to kind of extend through that. We're going to camp. Romans 12 is a big chapter. We're going to extend through that pretty hard um, this week um, as we walk through one more verse. And then I, I believe that we'll go more than one verse at a time. Are you all okay with that? I was at a pastor's conference this week. We were putting on, um, walking through the book of Philippians for local pastors here. And um, the gentleman we brought in to help us out with it, he said that there was one pastor that spent seven years on the book of Romans. And he said something pretty profound. It ain't that good, right? Like, it, I mean, it's awesome, but there's a whole lot to the canon of Scripture. So we won't spend forever in it. But this part is so good because of how it, it rings in our life. And, was, and, and we're going to be a little interactive today uh, as we walk through it. But just if it's your first time with us, if this is your first time to be in Romans chapter 12 uh, in your Bible, um, listen to verse 1 and verse 2. We'll read through that, and then we'll kind of walk about it. <clears throat> the Bible says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think the, the key for this is that we have to understand that although we're breaking this up into two weeks, I think there's profound, there, it's profound enough, I think it's deep enough that we need to consider these two verses um, well and separately, but they can't be understood without one another, right? It's like that song, love and marriage, love and marriage, goes together like a what? Thank you, we just dated ourselves. Or I know what TV show you were watching in the 90s. But thinking through that, right, we just, we, we, ha we know they have to go together in that. And so these two go together, and, and here's why. If you take verse 1 without verse 2, you miss something radically important. And I would tell you, it's what is probably the church's biggest wrestling today, is trying to do verse 1 without verse 2. It probably turns more people off of Jesus than anything else that, that you probably do, or we probably do as a church, is just Romans 12 verse 1. But when we have verse 2, it, it really makes it whole. And last week, if you weren't here, we really talked about what it meant to be a living sacrifice, right? And in that living sacrifice, we really looked at this joy of, of how we see it differently. We looked at the words in the Scripture like joy, thanksgiving, delight, love, listen, praise, repentance, fragrant, mercy. And here's the funny thing. Being a living sacrifice is our invitation as a gift to us, right? That, that's really what it is. When Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, it took God's mercy for you and I to be able to experience the joy of being a living sacrifice. 
And, and I want you to know, as we talk about life and ministry and parenting, we walk through all of those things, that, that, that living sacrifice, that there is a joy that's, that's better, that's mature. Uh, great friend, the first child I ever baptized, um, I was able to be a part of her wedding 15 years ago. And uh, she is a minister of discipleship and families at her church. Uh, he runs a mission organization. Just phenomenal. He just texted me and, and said, it's been 15 years for us uh, this summer. And uh, he said, how are you doing as an empty nester? And I thought, man, what a fantastic word in that. And they have little ones at home, and they're, they're in the mix of it. And I remember what it's like to be in the mix of it. And there are days I miss it tremendously. And there are days I'm just grateful we endured amen i mean there just happened and i said you know what the truth is this and i'll, I'll listen i'm going to share all you my little everything i discover i'm in that there are days when i do just would love to sit on my couch and hold my daughter and hug her there are days where i miss waking up and seeing connor half asleep half awake reading his bible before i got downstairs there are days that i miss being the crazy dad running on the soccer sidelines but, and I don't know if I would have believed it until I got here, but experiencing the harvest and the fruit bearing of my children away from home, it, it's like it overcasts everything else because it is so good to watch God's promises being fulfilled in them that it gives meaning to everything that came before it. And so, as much as I would love to hold them every now and then, it's better. And it's not better because I have more time on our hands, y'all. It's, it's better because God's promises are sure. And here's what I want you to know. When we talk about being a living sacrifice, that's probably a better even example of what it feels like. It is giving up something but what you're giving up in the shadow of what you're experiencing feels like, like exchanging one of those tokens from a skee-ball machine for that pixie stick you got when you were little. Like it wasn't even a trade. Are you with me? And here's what I want you to know. My kids aren't perfect. They're going to make mistakes. I will not tell you about all of them. Preaching's like Facebook for preachers, right? We just walk through some of those good things. But if your story has not been experiencing the joy of being a living sacrifice it doesn't mean you've lost the race you can start right here and right now and that's why god preserved this passage in his word you with me okay so here's what i want you to know that statement in itself is good but verse two says there's more to it so, and there's a word that's not in most of our Bibles. It's just a linking word. It means and or also. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is the will of God, what is acceptable, uh, good, acceptable, and perfect. Now here's, here's what I thought of, and, and this is how we're going to write it out because the intro, it, um, everybody is allowed to play. If you get this wrong and you're older than age 10, we'll have a conversation. So I see some of our kids in the room. You guys are welcome to help me with this we're going to do a little little test here all right all right one plus two equals what three that's good some of you are brave some of you are a little scared I'm, it's not a trick question it's true that's excellent excellent are you ready for this this is a little bit harder four plus two equals what six you guys y'all are killing it 
I know someone's like, oh, he's doing multiples of three. What does that mean? It just means I picked those numbers, right? Five plus four equals what? Not, you guys are incredible. So let me ask you a question. Does one equal three? So one by itself doesn't equal three. Okay. Does four equal six? Y'all are killing me. Does five equal nine? Oh, now you're thinking, Pastor David, what are you trying to show us? I'm trying to show you that God has pairings in our life that add up to something. And if we cut any part of it out, our, our answer is no longer true. And if you and I try to live our life as a living sacrifice without verse 2, and your faith feels weak, you feel a little bit tired, you feel a little bit disappointed, and you haven't seen the promises of God in your life, I will tell you, it's not because God's math is messed up. It's probably because you left out part of the equation. Here is what Scripture tells us. It says, The gift of being a living sacrifice... When added to a transformed, and I'm gonna, we're going to get into this word in a, le, a minute, a transformed life equals right worship. That's the equation. That's it. If you have a transformed life, and we'll talk about that, but you don't act in accordance with God's will as a living sacrifice, then your worship, and I'm not talking about Sunday morning. I'm talking about your day-to-day -day relationship with God. It's going to be lacking severely in the same way that three does not equal six. If, and I think this is the more dangerous one, if we try to live as a living sacrifice, without a transformed heart and mind you can't have and you can't live out right worship here's what I mean here's what I mean at the, at the beginning of this story and I make sure we won't get too far ahead in this thing if you just try to let your actions equal right relationship with God you're probably a person that most people don't want to be around have you ever been there? I mean, I've been there. Like, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I don't want to. I don't feel like it. If you don't have the right heart, mind, and motive, it doesn't matter if what you're doing looks right on the outside. Years ago, a great friend of mine, pastor, dad was a pastor, and he fell 30 years ago. And the day he was resigning from his post, he told a story. He said, once upon a time, this little boy, and as he rode his bike to school every day, he saw a town that was in desperate need of help. They were sick and dying. So he brought his bucket with him, and he would scoop fresh water into town, and he would serve it to all the people on the way in. And he started to see the people become alive more and more. He started to see them become strong and started to see them to get healed. Every day, rain or shine, the boy kept on his bicycle, scooping water. If he fell down, he would get up. If his knees were bleeding, it didn't matter. If he was sick, he never missed a day, scooping up that water and bringing it to the townspeople. But over time, the townspeople started to become more and more sick. 
And so he started going twice a day, bringing twice as much water to try to get it done, no matter how he felt, no matter what he did. And one day, coming into town, an elder at the edge of town stopped him and said, please stop, you're killing us. He said, I know your action is right, but you are sick, you are hurting, and you are spreading that disease because you are sick. Church, here's what I want you to know. That wasn't the end of his story. God is still using him in different ways in his church. But if you and I try to be a living sacrifice without being transformed, and we'll walk through what that means like, how it looks like, then there's a good chance that you are spreading sickness. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. Lord knows we won't get there. But we're going to talk about how do we be whole so that what we do as a living sacrifice is joyful for us and right for the Lord and bring some glory. Amen? Are you with me? It's brisket. I figured I'd come out hard so we could end well. All right? <clears throat> Verse 2. Let's go through it one more time. We're going to hit it all over today. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing, and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So first of all, I want you to know, this kind of begins with a warning. Do not be conformed to the things of this world. And when you read that, I, I wanted to make it really uber spiritual. But the more I journaled about it, the more I started laughing. Because I really saw this as the warning label between verse 1 and verse 2. And so I started looking up, like, have you ever seen warning labels that don't make any sense? I found some this week. They'll show you on the screen. We'll go through them, and I don't know the order. So as they pop up, these are real-life warning labels that I found. Harmful if swallowed. Y'all, right? Harmful if swallowed. Pastor Scott said, should say, especially for fish, right? But harmful if swallowed. What's the next one here? Yeah. Ladies, this has to be a girl thing, right? Do not use while sleeping. Note to self. Okay, what's the next one? Yeah, this product is not intended to use for a dental drill. Seriously, right? Like, if you need that warning label, you should not work with tools. I'm just, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, remove child before... This one was funny and then it was sad because moms, I know sometimes you're tired and you're like, you're just... I'm not going to tell you if that ever happened in our house, but Ashley does have a story about being folded up in the middle seat in the back of the van. I'm just saying. Right? Remove child. Last one. This is awesome. This had to be at college, right? This had to be not intended for highway. Like, who? Who? I just want the YouTube of that. You know what I'm saying? Of course. These are just duh things. Thank you, guys. These are just such duh things. And literally, the start of the warning label in this is such a, oh my goodness, duh thing. I can't believe I got sucked into the crazy label crowd, right? Because what the Bible says is, do not be conformed to the world. Here's why this should be silly. Because John 7, 7 says the world, the culture of the world in, in, that we are in, hates Jesus. John 7, 7. John 12, 47 says, The world and its ruler are awaiting judgment by God. John 14, 7, The world rejects the spirit of truth. 
Jesus died so that you and I would not be stuck in this culture, this condemnation, the consequence of the fallen world. And yet, God says, even though I gave my son for this, my spirit is going to tell Paul to write it down because you need to remember this. Do not be conformed to the world. Then you have to look up. Well, then what does the word conformed mean? Is this rocket science? And this was my aha moment. The word conformed means this. Becoming behaviorally or socially similar to. Ah, junk. Have you ever been like, aware of your witness at work one day and then complaining about your boss life and everything else the next welcome to be conformed socially similar to the world have you ever thought something i don't know the ends justify the means socially similar to the world has your anger at rejection for trying to live at Christ ever caused you to harm another person or say something in a way that tears them down and pushes them further from Jesus? I know I'm getting personal, but you, all of a sudden the silly warning label, it became not so silly. It can also mean being shaped or, or patterned afterwards. See, I think we have temptations to use worldly tools and put them on the table for the glory of God because we're so focused on being a living sacrifice. But if you and I are trying to live a living sacrifice and your attitude stinks like dead fish, that's being behaviorally similar and conformed to the world. You follow me? If you're trying to do something for the glory of God and the back of your t-shirt said, look at me, coach, look at what I did. I'm the best you've ever had. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to lose me. You know how important I am? Man, you would never say this and I, no one at this church has ever said this. But, but I had a member one time tell me, pastor, you know my tithe pays your salary. Just so you know, if you say that to me, your tithe pays for the dumpster, not my salary. You follow me? That's, what a worldly attitude. Come on now. But how often do we find ourselves using these worldly tools trying to be a living sacrifice? The problem is a worldly tool plus sacrifice is not a living sacrifice. It's a dead sacrifice. When Scripture talks about generosity, you know what it points to? Being so generous that we are shaken and overflowing. It's a picture of a well that never runs dry. If your heart is for generosity, being generous never becomes a burden. You realize that? If, if your heart is for something and God has given you a passion and it is joyful, thanksgiving, and that's the sacrifice that you live with, it never runs dry. There's never a bottom of the barrel. And that's the warning. 
and it's not new in the old testament jacob when he was being swindled by his father-in-law tried to turn the tables i'm going to get rid of all this you can have all the black spotted striped sheep and lamb that are out there the goats that are out there so what does jacob do he he makes them mate in front of a reed and and believes that while they look at the reed it'll make more black some spotted do you know who makes this is a crazy thought kids you can help me with this do you know who makes animals who gives animals their colors god does he does that jacob wasn't trusting god for his future he was trusting himself the kings left up high places. James and John wanted to call down thunder on people. Their currency was anger to try to bring discipline to others. Church, I think the warning label is needed because manipulation, excusing bad and sinful behavior as an ends to a mean, is not in Scripture. 1 John 2, 6, whoever says he abides in him, Jesus, ought to walk in the same way which he walks. Philippians 3 17 keep your eyes on those walking in the example of Christ Matthew 6 21 where your treasure is there your heart is also if you want to have the fruit the joy of being a living sacrifice for the goal of living a life of right worship then this warning label is for you and me do not become socially similar to in your behavior or your patterns of the world i'll be honest this is when it breaks a minister's heart when serving the lord in in our own lives i'm not even talking out there becomes a burden because it means your eye has been taken off of jesus and it's become socially similar to the world focused on yourself you ever been there hmm. but verse 2 read it with me right the bible says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind you have an alternative like the good news of scripture is that god has turned the corner that's the joy of scripture is that god has already done something different and here's what I want you to know. You can't miss out on these words. I'll, I'll write them up here. This is all the notes I have today for the screen. So the first is B, right? This means the state that you are in. In fact, this part of the word is passive. And, and it means you are not the one doing the action. The state you are in here is something that is happening to you, right? But then it says, be transformed. T-R-A-N-S. I don't know about you guys, but I do that. Now, teachers in the room, when we see an E-D at the end of the word, what tense is it? Past, present, or future? Past. This is the only place, teachers, I want to let you know that sometimes our understanding of a word is not what Scripture means. This word is not written in past tense in your Bible. It's present without the finish being identified yet. What, what this means is this. That you and I, if we are not going to be transformed by the world, we need to be in a state 
of transformation. I've read this passage a, a million times. And so many times I've thought about it as being transformed the day I gave my life to Christ. And he made me new and he made me his. That's not a reference point for this passage. Remember, because this passage is written to believers. If you want a life of joy, of thanksgiving, of praise, of offering, of life, of love, of fullness before God, as a believer, then you need to be being transformed all the time, every day, nonstop. Because transform means to change your state of being, not fake it till you make it, but let him make you new. And that's our hope. I think this is the rub. This is where our culture can get into our life. We want to know our part. How do I improve myself? How do I make myself better? How do I work through this? I mean, we talk about our house all the time. Grit is a beautiful word in our house. Like, push through it. Figure it out. Make it happen. But what Scripture really walks into is, is that the hope of Christianity? I mean, Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 says, Behold, I am making all things what? New. You're not making it new. Oh, man, this is a moment of confession. If you are the glue holding everything together, you're in sin. That's what Scripture says. If you're carrying the weight of the world, your family, your church, your school, your work, if you're the one who it all depends on live or die, that is sin because that is conforming to the mindset of the world that Jesus died to save you from. Are you, are you with me? And I've been there, but our hope is in the one who makes all things new, not through me. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. He has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. But be transformed by. Now, this isn't amazing, because this by word, it just shows us the path you get to walk on. It's not work, it's not earning. In the same way that a living sacrifice is a gift, so is walking on this path. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The word renewal means to make things like new again and again and again and again. What scripture says is, if you want to be a living sacrifice that's not conformed to the world, is your spirit being made new again and again and again and again and again and again and again by the work of Christ? Are you leaning into that? Are you withdrawing and pulling back? Are you letting that happen? This week, one of the things I wrote down learning from uh, the gentleman that came in to walk us through Philippians was there's a word feel when Paul says, I have a right to feel this way about you in Scripture. And the word feel was connected in two places. It was connected, one, to heart, 
and two to mind. And so I did not take Greek and Hebrew in seminary. I was in ed Christian education, so I didn't have to take that class. And so one of my friends sitting across the table from me is much smarter than I am. And I said, what do you know about that word? Because this is, this is a new thought to me. And he said, you know what? Now that I think about it, <clears throat> this is a very Hebrew thought. You see, only in our brilliant Westernism have we separated the heart and the mind into two separate pieces. But in Hebrew culture, they were connected. So when the Lord even says, love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's all of who you are. It's not this piece, this piece, this piece, this piece. There's a oneness to it. And so when we talk about this idea of renewal of your mind, what the picture really is, is that making your heart and mind your whole self, letting God, surrendering to let him make you new over and over every day as long as it's called today so here's the interesting thing the way that God does this is not through education it's through discipleship through relationship and there's a difference I want you to know the difference. Education is sitting and learning, self-improvement. I'm not a, opposed to education. I'm married to a beautiful educator. But education in itself is one-dimensional. The stories that Christy tells me when she comes home are not the stories of how her girls got soul fed for that day. It's about how God used that tool to build relationships to help a child know the love and grace and testimony of Jesus Christ. Those are the stories that I hear. That's discipleship. Listen, I'm an Alabama fan through and through, Pastor Mike. But this week, Auburn's getting all kinds of heat because the football coach and the basketball coach went to a worship service and afterwards there was baptisms and salvations that they helped baptize people in the river. That's discipleship. You see, when you and I think renewal in a transformed life comes through education, your scripture becomes stale and hard to read. You, you start to just try to put it to rote memory. You, you don't understand it. I'm not the best student in the world, and if, if the life in Christ was about how smart I was or how educated I could be, I would come up wanting but that is not what life transformed looks like. It involves using and leaning into God's word as a part of this discipling relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that is the promise of Jesus Christ. When I go away, I will send to you a what? A teacher, a guide. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. You see, you and I, when we walk with the Lord, it's in relationship. The road to Emmaus. Do you remember the story? Luke chapter 24. Jesus, after the resurrection, is walking down the road to Emmaus with some disciples. 
And when he leaves, they said there was something different. Our harps were burning. It wasn't just that he was a fantastic order of the whole, the whole scripture. But in relationship, he spent time with us. He poured into us and God's word pointed us deeper into that relationship. Acts chapter four. They were ordinary men is what the people said of the disciples. But it was obvious that they had been with who? Jesus. And there are so many aspects to this. There are so many avenues God has made. Prayer, meditation, pondering, talking, receiving, encouraging, sharpening. There's so many ways to, to make your relationship full and fuller and fuller. But I think sometimes, like raising kids, that somewhere in our Christian life, we forgot how critical that was. And so we slipped into this education role. For 22 years, I've had kids in my house. Most of those days, it was awesome. But if for 22 years of having my kids in my house, if, if I was educating myself on them and educating myself on how to maintain the peace with my wife and educating myself on how we were gonna run this house, do you know what happens when my kids leave and it's just the two of us here? What I prayed for and hoped for as a gift from God 25 years ago would become a foreign object that scared me to death. You with me? 22 years of just learning about my wife does not make my marriage good, godly, and awesome. 22 years of being in a relationship with her talking with her, meditating, crying, listening, growing, developing. That's discipling. And when we get in a funk and find ourselves trying to do this, wondering, God, if we're hopefully presenting this, if we neglect this, then we have robbed ourselves of the gift of God. In this space, your beliefs, your feelings, your dispositions, your values... In this place, they stay spotless. No weapon formed against me shall prosper becomes a verse that I can know and show you the meaning of the tattoo. He who began a good work and we will see it through to completion doesn't become something I hope in for one day. It becomes something I experience every day. Man. The promises of God become a part of who I am. And it can't be as simple as education. God wants you to experience what it is like to live a life that is a right worship into verse one all the time. And that means living sacrifice and a transformed life. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Could you imagine? I mean, the Lord left us in this world, John chapter 17, instead of taking us out so that we could do this. 
have you ever thought about this when you read this verse there's two ways to read it that by testing you may discern what is the will of God do you know what the world says God's always trying to test you that's what the world says he's putting you to the test this is just a test this is just another test right I remember my young sermons as a youth minister at a sophomore in high school that was brave enough to be up here for an illustration with me and I had a golf club and I said I want you to take three steps and duck three steps and duck I'm going to swing and you're going to hear the whoosh over your head and I remember doing that and now I look back and say Lord have mercy I'm not that good of a swinger I'm so glad he's alive still but I think sometimes we think that our life in God is one two three duck one two three duck one two three duck it's a fun game yeah that's not what life in Christ is. What the word here means is that when you are being transformed by the renewal of your mind, renewal of yourself by the relationship and the discipleship of Christ Jesus through his spirit, a gift of God the Father, then you can test any thought that comes your way then you can test any spiel that's put in front of you. Then you can test any decision that's put before you. You put it to the test. The implications of that, I just started scribbling. When things aren't going so well in your marriage, you can put the situation to the test rightly before God. And he promises clarity. As a parent, what's the right step in handling the situation without causing harm to my child or my relationship? The Bible says, as a living sacrifice with a transformed life, you can put that question to the test. As a coworker, how can I navigate the situation? In life, is what I'm feeling really right? Can this be? What am I still here for? What are you trying to say to me, Lord? Here's the joy. What this scripture says is if you are a living sacrifice before God and you are letting him transform you by the renewal of your mind and heart and your relationship with him, that you never have to go to sleep with uncertainty about knowing and discerning what God has before you. It sounds so crazy, it's hard to believe. Because I know not a soul in my life that has a perfect record of doing this every day. But our failures they do not devalue or change the promises of God. They prove them true. Have you thought about that? What scripture is literally speaking is you want to live a spirit of right worship before God. 
if you want the joy of knowing what sacrifice is meant to be like for the believer, thankful, joyful, praiseworthy, good. If you want that to be who you are in Christ, it's not what you do that matters. It's who you are. Because if the fuel in your tank is good and it's being renewed all the time and your feet are being faithful to walk in the footsteps of the one who's gone before you, then what scripture says, not David Adams, is this. Then you will discern what is the will of God and God's will is good you will discern the will of God. You will know if your actions, your attitudes, your failings, if they're acceptable before God. So it can lead you to repentance or to mountaintops. You can discern the will of God, what is perfectly right between you both. now know why Paul said it when he opened the passage he says I appeal to you with everything I've got with everything I am these words are life and if you have not been experiencing the life of these words that is not have to be your next step, your next day, or your future. There is no weapon that's born against you that will prosper. There is no trap that he can't rescue you from. So be a living sacrifice. Let it be holy and pleasing to him. And, and resist the temptation to try to do it in a way that looks and fits in and feels right in the world. Instead, you be in a relationship with Jesus. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Then maybe this morning is the time you say, God, I have been trying to do it all for your glory. And today I realized I have to ask forgiveness for what I thought was good before you. Praise Jesus for removing that burden. Told Christy the other day, as a parent in the room, hear this from me. My biggest want for a do-over for my children would be this. That from the time that they were five, that they would have walked with a dad who had the confidence in who God is for him and what God has planned for me that I have today. That I would have lived out this verse and not tried to do it all myself. If I could do it all over again, what I would tell you is this, you cannot be a pleasing sacrifice to God if it is not life-giving because of your relationship renewal with him. And it will harm your children 
it will hurt your marriage and it will eat you up so right here and right now I cannot go back but I can give you that truth if you're in this room right here and right now if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ this promise is not for you yet but it can be to be transformed has a beginning point and it begins with confessing your sin and believing in Jesus as the only begotten son of God and asking him to take lordship of your life so that you might walk as a living sacrifice and it starts there let's pray Father God we love you Lord, as we are in this place, in this room today, Lord, the reality is that I know you began the good work and you're not done. But Father God, we're the ones, even after life being given to us, that we put up the barriers. So instead, God, let us just lay it all down. Let us be transformed. by the moment-by-moment renewal of our heart and mind bathed and washed in the Spirit of the living God. Not 10 minutes here, not a Bible study there. Lord, every second of every day, Lord, let us lean into the promise that we can know and discern what your will is so that we can experience, regardless of our circumstances, what is good and pleasing and right with you. So Father, I pray that prayer over your church. Lord, over the eight-year-old in the room and the 80-year-old. Lord, that you would renew our life. And if there's a man or woman, boy or girl in this room who does not know you, God, Lord, I pray that you would let their hands open this morning and offer it to you. In Jesus' name.